Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast, where we discuss the myths, misconceptions, and most asked questions about sex trafficking. Uh, I am once again joined on the podcast today by Desiree Dougal, the director of the Elijah Rising Restorative Care Program. Welcome, Hello. Desiree. Thank you. This is our second podcast together. And the first one, uh, we talked about trauma and how it relates to the anti-sex trafficking uh, movement and our work at Elijah Rising. And today we're going to take a little bit deeper of a dive. Uh, and so it was fun to introduce you, Desiree, on the last podcast because you bring such a wealth of experience, Thank you. Uh, more than a decade's worth of work. Uh, Desiree is what we call an OG <laughs> in this work. Um, and Elijah Rising is really, really blessed and uh, to, to have Desiree on staff. Um, so if you want to find out more about her credentials, you can go listen to that other podcast, which you should go listen to anyways, Absolutely. because it was amazing. It was my first, <laughs> my, my, my favorite one so far. I think this will, this one will be my next favorite. Um, Desiree does bring a ton of experience and um, numerous educational uh, credentials and things like that. But today what we want to talk about is trauma again, but specifically um, how that plays out in our work with trauma-informed care. Mm -hmm. The question we're asking on today's podcast is, what is trauma-informed care and why is it important? Um, Before we ask that question specifically, Mm -hmm. let's back up just a little bit and let's talk about how trauma impacts, affects the brain. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And I, and just in case you're uh, listening and not watching, uh, there is a prop that's going to be used on today's episode. So you'll have to go check out YouTube. Okay. So (laughs) how does trauma affect the brain, Desiree? Absolutely. So yes, I did bring a little brain. A little brain. Um, It's actually human size. Yeah. You said that's the average brain. This is actually, this is a, um, Scale size brain. So yeah. I'll get to that in a sec. So when we undergo trauma, um, and this can be physical or psychological, right. um, we have a fear or like alarm center in our brain um, that gets activated. And so something mm. traumatic happens to us, um, that fear center of the brain kind of sounds the alarm. That's kind of in this um, central part of the brain here. Um, and it releases a bunch of stress hormones into the body. Um, and this is not a bad thing. You know, those, those hormones are what helps yeah. us help us cope with um, what's happening to us. So like, they're not an inherently bad thing. God created us that yes, way, right? that's exactly, it's what it's supposed to do. Right. So um, that's, you know, we've heard of fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. Um, you know, those responses are, um, are what our brain is designed to do when we go through something traumatic. So that's right. where this comes from. Um, these things are taking place in the limbic system, what, what I would just refer to, this yeah. limbic system in the brain. Right. Um, Which so, so for those who are listening a little bit, so that's basically mm-hmm. like the the center of the brain, but like the yes. lower portion yes, the of the lower brain. Yes, the lower brain is, yeah. Yeah, is what that's kind of referred okay. to as. So it's the emotional center, and it plays a huge role also in how memories are formed. Oh, um, interesting. So that, that early formation of memories, which is also part of why we often don't remember all the details of a tra- traumatic event interesting, because um, it can affect how those memories uh, get formed. Um, and we see that a lot in um, the women we work with as well, right. you know, when uh, memories can be um, blocked out. But um, in circumstances of like complex trauma, like what we see with the women we work with, there's been so much repeated trauma, mm. which means this fear center is constantly activated. Um, and so it becomes the norm. It just right. becomes the constant um, uh 
Just like the just state the way it of, is. The yeah, state just of kind being. of the, the state of being in their brain. I can't imagine what it's like to live like that in a constant state. Yes, just constant what's called hyperarousal. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. so the, it, it's a constant state of just being tense and um, aware of everything around you all the time um, mm. in fear. So um, the adrenaline, though, it, it when we are facing a traumatic event, though, it, it heightens our awareness um, in those dangerous situations, which, which is a good thing. Again, that's are, like a survival. It's a survival. Mode. Yeah, right. Um, but the cortisol keeps those horrifying details of a trauma from lodging into our brain. Oh, wow. Um, so again, those are part of a defense mechanism. Um, hmm. And depending on what age, you know, a trauma happens to us, um, though these chemicals can keep the brain development um, from... Uh, can stunt the brain development, I'm sorry, right. and kind of keep this uh, thinking center, this prefrontal cortex area of the brain um, from fully forming, hmm. um, which is something you can actually see in brain scans. So the trauma creates, the, releases these hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is gonna, which is part of the survival mechanism that you've been designed by God. Like if you're getting chased by a bear in the woods, yeah. right? The you limbic system is going to activate. You're going to, right. Uh, okay. But then if you experience trauma again and again and again and again, and that becomes your state of being, that damages. Yes. Is, is that the right word? Is it damaging the brain or stunting the brain? It, um, it creates um, these neural pathways in the brain hmm. um, that keep you in those. It keeps those stress hormones just constantly flowing, flowing the same way. And it can impact the development of the brain in a negative way. Right. And so if that's happening at a young age. Yeah. That when has, brain is still forming. Yeah, that has long-term impacts. Mm-hmm. And I would assume stunts the ability to um, mature. Yes. Right. Okay, so th- I guess the next question then is, is um, the obvious one. So what can be done, <laughs> right? Sure. What can be done to change our brain's responses and those neural pathways that you've yes. just described? Yeah, and of course, the most important thing to remember is that we can do something to change yeah, those. Good. Yeah, good. Absolutely. So while those things do create, like I said, these pathways in the brain, um, you know, we can change them with time and hmm. effort and repetition of good things. Time, effort, Repetition. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so changing the way our brain responds to um, events when we're in a safe and stable place mm. um, can re- reform those pathways um, and and start creating pathways that are good, that, that create good responses right. in us. Um, working with a good therapist is one way we can definitely um, work on rewiring those things, but they need to specialize in trauma, and not every therapist does that. Sure. Um, so when you interview a therapist, and you should interview your therapist right. um, before choosing them, um, you need to make sure that they specialize in, therapy, in um, trauma mm. or complex trauma, if that's your circumstance, right. um, so that they know how to help you. They understand how to do that rewiring yes. of those neural pathways. Yes, right. how to really work with your circumstances. Um, mindfulness, um, and I know that's a buzzword yeah. kind of, but um, true mindfulness mm-hmm. um, that's therapeutic is another practice that can be really beneficial in helping trauma survivors learn to feel safe in the present moment, um, keep them present in a moment that is um, perhaps scary but um, can keep them present and learn to process through um, a memory 
um, stay with it in a, in a moment when they mo- normally might have detached or dissociated in some way. Like as a result of a trigger, like they yes. hear something, smell something, see something, yes. somebody says something that p- puts them back yes. in that place mm-hmm. of the trauma. Yes. But you're saying mindfulness is a practice to where say, no, 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 I'm, I'm here right I'm now. I'm here and I'm safe. I'm safe. So yeah. I can work through this now. Right. Um, so um, that's, you know, used correctly, it can actually be very beneficial. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of other ways as well. You know, um, journaling, yoga, um, you know, uh, dance, anything that can help somebody remain present in their body, hmm. you know, during um, a trigger can yeah. be really beneficial. Yeah, so um, in my own kind of process, my, I see a therapist weekly, um, we talk a lot about grounding, mm-hmm. which I, I think what I'm hearing from you is it's, very, it's, it's just a different word for a very similar thing. Like, it, it's this is part where of I mindfulness, am. yes. Yeah. It is part of mindfulness. Yeah. Um, it's when you um, feel triggered or um, start feeling a panic attack or an anxiety, you know, something coming on, it's just it's a um, tool you can use to bring yourself back right. to a calm place. I'm not at, I'm not in that place. I'm it's, actually right I'm here. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always being told to journal. I'm not a journaler, but, um, you know, I started doing it and sure enough, it actually does help. Yeah. Work there is something some about the physical act of writing yeah. that helps with that brain work. Yeah. It's fascinating. Well, it, it's doing, it's doing the reworking yes. of those neural pathways that you've talked about. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So how does the trauma of the survivors, so the women who have survived exploitation and mm-hmm. trafficking that we work with, that you work with directly almost on a daily basis, how does, um, their types of trauma, the, the, the complex PTSD, mm-hmm. the trauma that they've experienced, how does it, how does it differ from say m- mine? I, I was never trafficked. I was mm-hmm. never exploited or sexually abused, mm-hmm. you know, but I certainly have trauma. Mm-hmm. All people have trauma. So what is it, what is different about what yeah. they've experienced? Yeah. Um, like you said, everybody has trauma and nobody's trauma is exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. That's um, well, that's of well course. Said. But um, survivors of exploitation and traffic, Trafficking primarily, like I said, have that complex trauma, um, that repeated continuous trauma that has put them in that um, hyper-aroused state, um, particularly when they first exit um, their situation, they're still in that state. Um, so yeah, a lot so, of these, so sorry to cut you. No, so okay. That's such a good point though. It's like, it's not just because they exit, like suddenly a, a, a switch is flipped mm-hmm. and now it's like, no, 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 you're fine now. Yeah. They're actually, their brain chemistry is still in the exact same place, whether they're, they're there still physically or yeah. not, which has a lot to do with the work that, yes. <laughs> that needs to yes. be done. Sorry, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. So it takes them some time to, um, really come out of that and feel yeah. um, safe, yeah. you know, and that's when their brain chemistry can, that hyper arousal can start diminishing. Yeah. But, um, you know, most of them, a lot of them have also had some kind of childhood trauma. Mm. Um, so that's also impacted that, um, you know, development of the uh, thinking center and the prefrontal cortex. Um, so there's also a lot of times that aspect of it. Um, mm. Many of them also have physical trauma as well. Um, in the form maybe of some kind of traumatic brain injury, gunshot or knife wound. Right. Um, you know, just so many things that they've dealt with just living the lifestyle that um, trafficking has put them in. Yeah, because I mean, it's... It's I mean, a violent world. It's a very violent world. And, you know, that we see this in our intervention work yeah. pretty frequently. And even just talking with um, those who are still being exploited, I, I mean, we just hear story after story about, well, yeah, you know, I was 
beaten up yeah. last night or you know sometimes you encounter women yeah. on the street during intervention that they've got black eyes they yeah. they've got like, yes. fresh wounds yeah. yeah i mean i guess that's so important like the complex trauma that they're experiencing is is a lot of times in the same hour physical emotional psychological you know, psychological everything. all in one Yes. Yeah. It's a very brutal life. Um, and that's not to say that any other, that, you know, that other types of trauma are any less devastating to a person. Sure. Um, a singular traumatic event can alter somebody's life forever. Yeah. Just one, just, you know, just one, depending on what it is, there's definitely no denying that. And so it's never a contest. Certainly. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same effects on the vein, the brain that, you know, um, repetitive trauma has. Um, but the emotional damage that can be done to somebody in, you know, a singular event, um, can still be, you know, immeasurable. Yeah. Which truth is, if we're honest, is a lot of people in in society. Absolutely. Um, a horrifically violent event or, um, the loss of somebody, um, you know, some of these things can be, um, horrific, um, and do massive emotional trauma. So, okay, this is what happens to the brain. Mm-hmm. This is what trauma looks like. This is how it plays out in the majority of those who are trafficked and exploited. Mm-hmm. So there's another buzzword that I, th- I feel like is, is um, being used a lot right now. It's trauma-informed, mm-hmm. right? That's yes. what we're talking about on this podcast today is what is trauma-informed care and why is it important? So what does it mean to be trauma-informed. Yeah. And especially for programs like ours, for shelters, Mm. for um, anybody who's working with um, um, any victim of crime or anything like that, there's a huge push to be trauma-informed. Right. Um, Which is a good thing, though. Which is a very good thing. Yeah. um, As long as um, it's understood what it means. Okay. So, So, yeah, that's um, good. (laughs) What does it mean? Being trauma-informed as an organization means that... um, you know, we promote a culture of safety, of stability, of empowerment, and of healing. Mm. Um, we want to look at a person holistically um, and take into account their past trauma and experiences that have brought them to this point. Yeah. Um, we're not asking why something happened to you. We're asking, you know, what happened to you? Mm. Um, you know, we want them to be able to um, have say in their in their healing process. Um, we want them to be listened to, you know, we want to promote a, um, an atmosphere of listening, really listening to what, um, this person has been through, um, and, um, taking all of that into account when we make a healing plan. Mm. Um, we want to explain everything, every part of their care to them so that nothing comes as a surprise, um, or nothing is violating or invasive or anything like that. Um, and make sure she has a voice and an opinion, um, you know, and that ever, all of that is listened to in her care. Um, and as a staff, of course, it also means we stay trained. Mm. You know, we yeah. constantly are working to keep up with what the um, most current trauma research and data and best practices are. Yeah. So, so it sounds like another way to put it is it, it's a very empowering posture yes. on behalf of those who work with um I mean, our population, right, is mm-hmm. women who have survived uh, sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about is empowering them. I mean, you're talking about giving them voice, yes. a- giving them agency in their yes. own healing process, like uh, giving them a place to communicate what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I just think like that has got to be so healing in and of itself. Because maybe that's 
we might be the first people in their entire lives who's ever even given them the opportunity to make a choice about what they're going to do in their day. A lot of times, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so... There, there is one of the things we want to do with this podcast is we want to dispel the myths mm-hmm. around uh, around this work. So there is a myth out there that if you're strong, uh, you can make it through the trauma by yourself. Everybody's experienced it. So if you're strong enough, if you're educated enough, that you can just muscle through it, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, kind of a thinking. Uh, yeah. What say you, Desiree? <laughs> Unfortunately, um, this is something that a lot of people believe. And um, so many people do go through traumatic event, traumatic events, um, and they never really seek help in dealing with it. Um, so in yeah. a way, I mean, yes, they make it through um, the trauma and they don't really address it and they don't work through it. Um, hmm. And we can certainly ignore our trauma and we can shove it down. Um, inside of us or just, you know, power through. And, and so sure you <laughs> right. can do yeah. that. I guess it is a possibility. Um, it is a possibility to right. do that. And plenty of people do it. Sure. Um, and get, you know, and get on with their lives. But, um, that doesn't mean that, um, the damage isn't still there yeah. and that it won't come out in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, specifically or especially in older generations where um, things like mental health care weren't as yeah. available, um, were still much more stigmatized. Mm. Um, people didn't seek help right. for a lot of these things. And so they did. They just pushed through it and they went on with their lives. And, um, you know, this isn't to um, denigrate them in any way. Right. You know, they did what they had to do. But, um, but yeah, the... I think a lot of them would agree that they still suffered ill effects of it right? Um, and took it out maybe in ways that they wish they hadn't or passed it on to the next generation or passed it on to the next generation. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break in the podcast uh, for just a little bit. And when we come back, we're going to ask the question, what is trauma informed care specifically? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then how does that, how does that play out at, at the Elijah Rising Restorative Care Campus uh, specifically? So we'll see you in just a second. Hey, everybody. I hope you are enjoying today's episode of the Elijah Rising podcast. Right now, I'm standing in the Elijah Rising store that sells goods that empower survivors of sex trafficking. All the items in this shop, the purchases support the employment as well as the restoration of women that are in our program. So please come visit us at 11th and Studewood or online at shop.elijahrising.org. And today, on your first purchase, we're going to offer you $10 off if you shop online using code PODCAST. Welcome back to the Elijah Rising Podcast. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about um, what it means to be trauma-informed. And so now I want to ask you, Desiree, what is trauma-informed care specifically? Specifically, yeah. Yeah. So um, what that looks like really put into practice Mm -hmm. is um, being understanding in the way that we approach the people that we work with. Um, yes, we provide that safe and stable environment, um, but it's also making sure that information is um, readily available um, and answering questions for the residents, um, being aware of everything um, that's happening with their care, le- letting them know everything that's happening with their care. Yeah. Um, we want to be sensitive to their needs by asking in advance if there's anything that we can do to make things easier for them mm-hmm. um, because we know a lot of the things that... Um, you know, we do, whether it be medical uh, visits or, um, you know, some of the um, psychological things that, you know, they're going to do in their therapy and things like that. Um, we want to ask if there's ways we can help them cope. Yeah. Uh, because we know things are going to be hard. Right. Um, 
you know, we seek to establish a routine, um, give them notice well in advance of any schedule changes, things like that, um, because they're coming out of a life that's chaotic. Yeah. Um, and we really want to just um, have practices and policies that we as an organization, um, you know, come up with that, um, like I said, come out of our own, you know, our training with mm. um, real, you know, just top of the industry experts that um, are um, researching the best trauma-informed practice practices, right. the, um, you know, this neurobiological um, work that they're finding out more and more about the brain and ways that um, we can work with trauma um, right. and more in, uh, innovations in therapy and things like that that can help us understand better. Yeah. Um, how we can be more um, accommodating and more um, therapeutic in our environment. Yeah, so it's it's really kind of combining. I mean, we're a faith-based nonprofit. Yes. So and the first commitment we have is to, to prayer. I would imagine that some might argue another myth here, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or misconception that some might argue like, well, you know, if you just pray, if you can just pray harder, right? Yeah. Uh, fear and anxiety. There's there's scriptures in the Bible that say fear and anxiety. You know, uh, if you're in crisis, you shouldn't have them. Don't have them. Right? You're delivered of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you're talking about keeping up with cutting edge research in neurobiology and trauma care. And <laughs> I yes. mean, uh, even our staff. I mean, we've gone through all sorts of trainings, TBR, mm-hmm. TBRI trainings, and and other things that we've done. Right? I mean, this is. This is more than just engaging our faith. This is using science. This is using uh, so many other tools. And so just why is that important? Why is it important to go, okay, yes, we, yes, we're going to engage our faith. But yes. look, we're going we're gonna to utilize these tools too. Absolutely. Why is that so important? Um, you know, I'll be the first to say that, you know, prayer is important. Um, I have a seminary degree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> um, extremely important uh, yeah. to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're looking at uh, the brain as um, an intricate and complicated, you know, organ that mm-hmm. was created um, as part of a human being. Right. You know, and the more we can learn and the more we can study this um, as this amazing, you know, yeah. piece of ourselves that, you know, that was created with all of these defense mechanisms mm. and um, healing properties and connections with the rest of our body. Um, yeah, that's right. I think it's amazing, yeah. you know, and that God's given us these abilities to study these things right. um, and look at this thing and make a model of a brain, you know, <laughs> that that we're able to see these little pieces in here yeah. um, and know what they do, yeah. you it, know, and know how hormones affect different parts of the body, um, I think is huge. Isn't that fascinating that we can use our brains to study our brains yeah yeah anyways we'll do <laughs> it's another fascinating to we'll me. do another podcast on so, that uh, <laughs> that loop. i mean i love it i think, <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's amazing well and it's 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 miraculous i mean it's yeah. god's yeah it's god's gift to us okay so so why is trauma informed so we've talked about trauma and uh being trauma informed we've talked about trauma informed care mm-hmm. and what that looks like organizationally sure. so so let's let's bring it back to those who um, you know the population that we work with. Why is trauma informed care critical for those who have survived sexual exploitation? Absolutely, um, 
like I mentioned, they're coming out of circumstances where they a lot of times don't know what's coming from one minute to the next. Yeah. Um, they don't know what's going to happen the next time a door opens. Mm. Um, you know, I, doing outreach and stuff like that in my past, um, you know, we would often ask a woman like, you know, a lot of them are smokers um, and they bought their cigarettes a pack at a time. It's a lot more effective, cost effective wise, obviously to buy them by the carton. Right. But they never, ever did that um, because each pack could be their last. Mm. So they're not going to buy a carton when they don't know if they're going to make it to tomorrow. Not planning for the future. No, there, there was no planning for the future. Yeah. Um, and that's how, and that's how the reality of how they had to live and it didn't, and they didn't think twice about it Right. because they knew that, you know, day by day, Um, And so us providing stability and that, you know, schedule of knowing, okay, tomorrow, these are the things I'm going to do. There's still going to be food on the table a week from now. Yeah. Yeah. Even things like, yeah, we do meal planning, things like that, you know, and these are the, you know, this is the day that so-and-so is going to cook and this is the meal Mm. they're going to cook. And this is, you know, and so having those things posted and them having copies of them in their binders and their day planners and things like that. They love when they get their day planners. Wow. (laughs) Those are, that's a, it's a big thing. Um, But giving them information about all of that kind of stuff, um, setting goals with them, you know, both long-term and short-term so that they have something they're working towards in the future. Um, And just being sensitive to, uh, the trauma they've gone undergone in a completely non-judgmental way yeah, um, yeah. is something that um, a lot of times is just so shocking to them um, because they face so much judgment, right. you know, for their lives in the past. Um, and it doesn't necessarily seem like a big deal, you know, to a lot of us. Um, but these things are very important, you know, for them to have the freedom to go to a kitchen and prepare what they want to eat any time of the day yeah. um, is something that we take for granted. But um, that's a huge freedom yeah. um, to these women. Well, it is something we take for granted. Most of us take for granted on a daily basis, of right? Course. I've, yeah, yeah. That's So what we're trying to do then is create a safe, stable environment mm-hmm. that understands what the triggers are, what the, yes. what the past is to the best of, you know, what they've shared mm-hmm. and just trying to mitigate all those things so that they know that, hey, look, you're safe here. Yeah. And, and that's so that that brain can heal. Yes. And all of those um, patterns, habits, behaviors, mm-hmm. can, they can start to change. Yeah. So how does the Elijah Rising Restorative Care Campus implement trauma-informed care. So yes. what are, let's just drill down. Like what are the practical, you know, earlier you mentioned policies and procedures and look, mm-hmm. I've seen the binder. It's insane. <laughs> We're not going to read it. It is the size of, you know, like a one story building. There's a lot. Um, but like, what are just some, some of the things, some of the practices that our staff, uh, mm-hmm. which we love very much and we are so thankful for our staff, very. especially you, yes. um, <laughs> are very thankful. grateful for my you staff. are grateful for their, your yes. staff. What are some things that we do to ensure that we are a trauma informed organization doing trauma care yes. to provide that environment? Absolutely. So yeah, just getting to the, the practical procedures and things yeah. like that, um, So the program is obviously designed to address the um, resident holistically. Um, Mm. We kind of started out with um, some guidelines from ISTSS, which is the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, um, and then also SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration here in the U.S. Can I just say real quick, let me interrupt again. Um, (laughs) 
Desiree has taught me so many acronyms. I, I do most of the grant writing for the organization. I'm like, Desiree, all these acronyms, please teach me. So thank you. Thank you for giving all the words that go with those acronyms. Oh, no problem. Go ahead. Go yes. ahead. Um, so there, there's something um, known as the eight dimensions of wellness. Right. Um, and we kind of add a ninth component of um, um, what's called like citizenship kind of, like being a... Um, uh, not necessarily a leader because that's that's up to each woman in her own right, mm. um, but um, being a good community member. Um, so the eight dimensions of wellness are, you know, your physical being, your intellectual being, emotional, spiritual, environmental, financial, occupational, and social. That's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. But there are a lot of different aspects to this wellness of a whole person. And so throughout the program, we work to address all of those different aspects of healing and wellness. Um, you know, one of the first things we do when a woman comes into our program is attend to her physical needs, uh, because it's hard to heal in any other way if you have, um, illnesses or injuries or things like that, that need right. attending to. Right. Um, so that's one of the first things we do. Uh, we have a really amazing partnership with Baylor college of medicine. Um, and through that we have, um, just one of the most amazing psychologists we do. that I've ever known. She is amazing. Um, and I just love her. <laughs> so she provides therapy for um, all of the women in our program. So yeah. their psychological needs um, can be tended to just in a way that, um, yeah, is unlike, you know, any anywhere. Yeah. Um, that's the high, know. we talked about earlier in the point, like that's the highest level of care we can provide. Yeah. We found it, we secured it, yes. and it works. And it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Um, yeah. So she also provides their assessments, you know, their psychological assessments and things like that upon entering the program. So we know, you know, what level of care is needed for them, yeah. um, which is also huge. Um, you know, we have opportunities for with the women to advance in their education. So depending on where they're at, whether it's they need a GED, whether they need, um, whether they're wanting to start college, whether mm-hmm. there's a vocational training that they're interested in, we work on those opportunities as well, getting right. them to where they want to be. Um, they develop job skills in our social enterprise um, where they have the opportunity to, um, you know, earn money as well as um, learn those job skills. Yeah. Um, and that's where we also teach them, you know, how to manage their finances. Um, obviously as a faith-based organization, we offer plenty of opportunities for spiritual growth through, you know, devotions and Bible study and things like that, um, which are optional, um, faith-based, but we aren't, you know, pushing anybody into anything. Right. Um, it's a choice, right? We're giving, it's all about empowerment and agency so that they can, yes, learn the skills to develop their future. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also, in, you know, as far as environmental, we're, you know, giving them that safe environment that we talked about. And the camp, and at our campus, the residents are learning to live in community with one another. Yeah, that's huge too. So, yeah, yeah and, our, and the staff. So they're building right. those relational um, pieces. They're learning how to have relationships that are healthy. Healthy relationships, um, yeah. So all of these things, you know, just combine to meet those dimensions of wellness yeah. um, in a tangible way. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like I don't work with, um, the residents directly though. Mm -hmm. I, I do have the honor of Mm -hmm. seeing them and sharing a meal with them. And, you know, we celebrated the holidays and birthdays Mm -hmm. and stuff. And, um, it's just amazing, like to see how all those things that you've just talked about, like actually give hmm, hope. Mm Um, I'm just feeling that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, we take for granted that we have, you know, we can see our future and that we have a hope and, um, and being able to create an environment and, and provide those skills, provide those, that place, um, is really changing lives. I mean, it's so 
which brings me to the next, you know, point that we kind of want to land the plane on today's podcast with it's, you know, trauma is a bad, a bad thing. Nobody wants to experience trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes it could be really horrific. We've talked about instances where it can happen over and over and over yeah. and over again and just change brain chemistry so dramatically. So, so there is a myth, right? That nothing good can ever come of a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that true? Um, of course, we never want to tell somebody who's going through trauma that something good's going to come out of this. Right. We never want to give somebody a, like a platitude like yeah. that. God, um, God, God made you be trafficked so that yes. you could learn how to no. have real job skills. Right. No. That's, yeah, we don't want to um, do that. Or that something was meant to happen that way. Anything right. like that. That's never, um, because nobody wants to hear something like that when they're going through something horrible. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's certainly possible for somebody who, you know, has been through something horrific to take their... Um, trauma and and use it in the future as a testimony for something good. Um, we see that you know time after time in yeah. the women who in, in women who overcome their circumstances um, from the past and then go on to um, you know speak out or you know pro- work on legislation or yeah, yeah. start their own organizations or something like that. So it's absolutely something that can happen. Um, there's also a phenomenon co- known as post-traumatic growth. Um, oh, interesting. You know, okay. where um, a person heals from their trauma and it provides them with like a whole new purpose in life. Mm. Um, you know, they, they're, they come out of this changed and, and, seemingly, you know, even stronger than they were before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this, this whatever they've been through has just given them new life. Sounds like resurrection. Kind of. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. So, you know, well, so yeah, there can definitely be positive outcomes to, to anything. Yeah. Um, it's just not, you know... We're just not going to, I would never promise it to somebody. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. but it's a long journey, you know, yeah. and it's different for everybody, but yeah. Um, Can you think of an example uh, of a positive change that you've seen? I mean, oh, you've, been, yeah. you've been doing this work for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, women who've spent time in a healing program or even women who haven't, you know, it's amazing how different someone can become, Yeah. you know, um, going from the chaos of a trafficker to, you know, mm. a stable place, um, you know, it is. It doesn't even have to necessarily be something that happens immediately. You know, she has to figure us out. Yeah, you know, yeah. and decide if she can trust us. But it's a beautiful thing when you see a woman realize, you know, that we're not out to get her. <laughs> we're not going to give up on her. Yeah. yeah. Um, no matter what, and that we're really there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to go from um, a woman who's very tentative and guarded, and almost hostile even. Right. Um, to being happy and relaxed and at home, at home, um, and actually really letting us into um, their goals and dreams mm. and family, you know, considering us family. Yeah. Um, it's just huge. a huge shift. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really cool to see. Well, it's, this has been such a powerful conversation. I, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast. Um, yeah, I just, I'm deeply impacted by the work that we do. And so I hope you as listeners um, and, and you viewers, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, um, I'm, I'm hoping that this is 
impacting you as well. You know, our, one of the main goals for this podcast is um, is to be informative, is to have conversations with experts in the field, um, and and to look at this work from different angles and different facets. Because it is, I mean, you know, we're talking about neurobiology today. Uh, on the next one, you know, we might talk about prayer. You know, so there's just so many different facets. And so I'm hoping that you, if you're listening, if you're watching, that you are finding the value in this podcast, uh, in the information that's being provided in this podcast and the guests that we bring on in the podcast, uh, whether they're from outside the organization or like Desiree from within the organization. And so I just want to, if, if you are finding this to be a benefit in your life, if you do want to see more of this, hear more of this, um, let us know what you're interested in. And secondly, we invite you to become a sustaining partner of Elijah Rising to ensure that this podcast can continue. A lot of work goes into this. Um, a, a lot of equipment goes into this. A lot of, a lot of man hours, um, staff hours go into this. And we want to continue the conversation. We want to continue it forever um, and continue to provide information that can be helpful to you and to those that you know, especially if you're on the front lines. Maybe you're in another organization doing this work. Um, so I invite you to become a monthly supporter of Elijah Rising to keep this conversation going and tell us what you you want to talk about, uh, you can go to our website, ElijahRising.org to support this work or to find out more about what we're doing. There's also other great content there and some volunteer opportunities. Uh, you can um, engage with the social enterprise work at shop dot org. Uh, buy some candles um, for the next birthday present that you need to show up somewhere with um, and subscribe. Subscribe to uh, our our YouTube channel and um, follow us on Facebook and all the other social media platforms, Instagram rate the podcast uh, because we just, we do this for you guys. We, we do it for those that we serve, but we really, um, we really do it for you to provide you with the information that we think is valuable, important mm -hmm. and important to, um, to do this work. So Desiree, thanks again for being on Absolutely. today and we'll see you. We'll see you on the next episode of the Elijah rising podcast.